Hi guys and welcome to the Fireside podcast and I'm your host Adam Boker and I'm excited to introduce today's special guests Vikram Barati of Japer Startup House and uh, George Yossi Samuels of Fire. So we'll be introducing them very soon. We're going to be discussing and chatting, uh, having a fireside chat uh, about community, entrepreneurship uh, and anything in between. Hey George, how you going? Going good, going good. Excellent. Hey, hey, Barati, uh, uh, Vikram, sorry. So, uh, yeah, so here's uh, this is uh, Vikram uh, Barati of uh, Draper Startup House, the founder, and uh, George Yossi Samuels um, of Fire, fi uh, founder of Fire, manager director of Fire. And um, yeah, feel free to introduce yourself, guys, if you can go first, uh, uh, Vikram. Hey, hi, Adam. That was a really long countdown. It went down. I know, it was. I've never yeah, seen a countdown that goes from 28 to 1. <laughs> yeah, it's quick. Straight into it. Yeah, but I love the music. It, it, got, it got me pumping. Yeah. <laughs> um, introduction. Well, I am. my name is Vikram Bharati, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Is this a podcast or how yeah, do we... Yeah, well, podcast, initially, we're kind of adapting it a bit. It's like a you know, podcast, vid, vidcast. It's, uh, it's, it's basically a, a weekly weekly show where we um, get some great inspiring speakers and uh, guests from, from different founders, entrepreneurship, community. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, I am working on an interesting project right now. It's called Draper Startup House, and we're trying to build a global community and a global network of um, startups and entrepreneurs, investors, using sort of hospitality spaces as the, the foundation. Uh, it's really never been done before and, and um, we're, we're, we're giving it a shot. Uh, and it's a very interesting time to be building a company that, that relies on physical travel, um, you know, physical hospitality. So it's been an interesting ride this year. I'm happy to share some learnings um, uh, if you would like, but um yeah, I know George well. Uh, I've been working with George for over a year now, or maybe more. Uh, first met George when he was a guest at our space in Singapore. We became friends, and now we work together. And um, it's it's been great. George is amazing. And so I, would, I agree. <laughs> I concur. And this, um, welcome, George. And if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, founder, managing director for Faya. Um, have been, uh, we're based here in Singapore. Uh, yeah, the birth of uh, my company actually did happen while I was at uh, Vikram's uh, original uh, Tribe Theory uh, startup hostel. And uh, yeah, from there, we kind of connected around uh, a third cultured, uh, third cultured kid event. Uh, that, that was the first event that we actually both attended because we are both uh, third culture kids. Um, and we can talk more about what a third culture kid is later. Yeah, that's what I was going to, I was going to say. If you, if you could, um, firstly, if I can just briefly ask, what is a third culture kid? And, and then secondly, leading on to that, if you'd be able to, um, ask Vikram a question that you, you've, you've got of him as well, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Actually, um, yeah, Vikram, this is a good sort of uh, test, right? Like, you know, wh what did you learn about a third culture kid? Yeah, <clears throat> so I think the official definition of a third cultured kid is parents of a different heritage or background, um, but you grew up somewhere else in the world or grew up in a different environment. I think that's the, the technical definition of a third cultured kid, but I, I think it's a bit more than that. I think it's uh, in today's world, uh, third cultured kids are becoming more and more common just because um people move around a lot more uh, because travel is you know a lot more accessible as well as moving to different countries or different uh, environments is a lot more um uh accessible and so we're seeing a lot of different um uh children grow up in different cultures and environments and I don't think third culture kids have to be global in nature because the, the generally people, you know, people identify themselves with third culture if they grow up in a different country or continent. But mm -hmm. I think you can be a third culture kid in your own country. Um, yeah. and, you know, you could like you could be from Australia, from Sydney, um, but then move to Perth 
and have parents from different parts of the world, but you could be a third culture kid, even in your own town, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I guess it's, it's a confluence and mixes of cultures and backgrounds and environments that you grew up in. 100%. And especially as the world gets more, you know, uh, globalized and there's, you know, a lot more mixing and uh, fluid families. Uh, this is, yeah, definitely become more and more common. Um, and usually you can kind of know a third culture kid if uh, at any sort of point in their life, they struggle with the question, where are you from? Um, and they might just be like, ah, you know, <laughs> that's a complicated, uh, complicated question. Um, and, and a lot of time, you know, it does end up becoming a, a lot about identity. So it's kind of like no surprise that I met Vikram the way that I did um, at, at Tribe Theory and that he's actually created a business that appeals to a lot of uh, these third culture kid types. Um, and, and why we both are pretty much about communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting because I think in the future there's going to be fourth culture, fifth culture, sixth <laughs> culture kids. Um, and, and I think, you know, this is the future of humanity. Um, I, I don't know how long it's going to play, you know, how long it will take until um, you know, a huge part, part of the population of the world becomes very diverse, but I think it is the future because I, I, I feel that diversity is um, a, a diversity is a natural um, uh, a state of affairs in, in uh, on the planet. You know, you look at jungles and uh, you know forests. The more diversity you have, the more thriving an ecosystem becomes. Whether it's you know whether it's plants or whether it's um, um, bacteria, you know. Uh, so, so I, I think um, I hope the world be- becomes uh, more and more uh, third cultured and more diverse um, because I think that's where um, uh, that's where the beauty of uh, innovation happens. That's where uh, a lot of magic happens. I, I think when the, the world becomes more diverse. Exactly. Yeah. Can I just ask a quick question, which um, you brought up there, because I'm trying to know as well is. For both of you, so Vikram and George, where are you from? Ah, okay. Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> sure. So I was born in um, in India, but I was born in a very small, um, a very unknown part of India called Nagaland. And so, if you, if you type in Nagaland in, in the Google's, uh, you'll see that it's a it's a small um, state. In above uh, Myanmar, and so it's 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 more to either side of um, I guess Southeast Asia, and um, this state Nagaland is an interesting place because the people in that region don't look like your normal Indian, uh, et, you know, sort of visually a physical um, a representation of, of the of the population. They actually look a lot more like me. Uh, and if you if if you were to meet me on the street, you would you wouldn't probably guess that I'm from India because I have a lot more sort of Asian features. Um, so my dad is from the middle of India on a place called Rajasthan, which is um, the representation of uh, of that state is like a, you know people look like normal Indian features, whereas my mom is a, like sort of like Burmese or origin. And she looks a lot more Asian. So the confluence of those two, um, you know, made me. And so um, that's that's how the, the two different cultures, uh, so you know, combined together. Uh, but then I grew up in California, and so um, Los Angeles is where I grew up. So I grew up with American culture, American environment, uh, and now I live in Singapore. I've lived here for four years, uh, so I'm back in Asia. So I guess I would be a textbook definition of um, a third cultured kid. Um, but also I think there's a bit more than that because my, my father was a Hindu and a, and a vegetarian and my mom is a Christian and a heavy meat eater. And so very different cultures of just the parents. And um, so I, I think all of these things um, has made me a lot more curious about the world at large, uh, as well as you know, how do other third cultured kids in South America? How do they live? How do they? What do they think? You know, what do they talk about? And what are their interests? 
or third culture kids in, you know, in Sweden, what are they like? So I think that that was probably the origins of why I travel so much or traveled so much before COVID is because um, I think there's an inherent curiosity of trying to find other people who may be diverse like I, I am. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. No, great. And, and, and Vikram, how do you think that's shaped your worldview? Right? Because I know we've had a lot of like, you know, um, deep philosophical uh, chats as well. But uh, yeah, how do you think it's shaped your worldview? Yeah, well, it's made the world really small for me. And I think that's very, it's played a major role in the way I look at the world because the world is really not as big as I used to think it was when I was a kid. By the way, there's like a little crackling noise. I don't know if that's from my side or... Uh, I think it might, Adam, uh, it's all right, yeah. Yep, or you could just mute yourself, Adam, when you're not talking, yeah, that, and then that could reduce, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's definitely made the world very small for me. So when I when I sort of look at the planet or look at, you know, the world, it, it I'm not... When I look at South America, it seems to me like it's very similar to Southeast Asia. Or when I look at, um, you know, uh, Europe, uh, it, it's all sort of one one piece of land for me. It's, it's and, and I know it's very diverse in terms of cultures and languages and, you know, and food and all of that. But I still kind of view the world as a very small place. Uh, and uh, it, it, it does. It's not as daunting to me uh, as. I think it is to a lot of people who may not have traveled so much. So in that sense, the worldview uh, stems from that. So when I, you know, when I look at things like politics, when I look at things like culture, uh, it stems from this sort of underlining belief that the world is very small. And, and um, that shapes the way you sort of look at conflict in the world. I think that shapes the way you look at geopolitics around the world. And you know, it's it's more like why can't we all get along kind of a situation, um, but I mean of course the world is very complicated, but uh, I just think it's very small. Yeah, well said, um, Vikram. I, I think it's it's interesting hearing you say that because that's kind of like even my belief too. It's like why can't people get along? And then as we've gotten older. And you know, ex have, having to accept some realities that, of course, everybody just comes with their different views and mindsets, etc. Um, yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and and you know, we live in such an interesting times because every time you turn on your phone or your computer, and you know, it, this is the bad news everywhere. But um, you know, statistics show, and I think this shapes my worldview, which is the world is a lot better. It's a it's a much better place than than it it seems when you turn on your social media. Um, I I think people do get along a lot more than than uh, it seems. Um, I, like less people are dying today than ever before. Um, there there are less there are less people that live in poverty today than ever before. Uh, there's a lot more trade uh, and cooperation amongst countries than ever before. There's less disease than ever before. I mean, the world is a much better to, uh, a much better place today than it was 30, 40 years ago. Um, and so I think my worldview is that most of the parts of the world are good. People are inherently good. Uh, I think 99.99% .99 of the world population are good people uh, and generally now, the, the chances of you meeting a really terrible person if you walk into a crowd is a very small percentage. Um, and so I think that worldview has shaped my ability to trust people um, a lot more than, than maybe I should. Because like in business, you don't want, you know, you want to keep your guards up. Um, but I, I think I'm generally a lot more trusting because I sort of look at the data and say, wow, like if I walk into a crowd of an unknown people, uh, say a thousand people in a, you know, in a music festival where I don't know anybody, the likelihood of someone being a real prick is a lot smaller than, 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 you know, generally people are really nice. And, and, and that's, that's been my experience going into some really unknown places while I was traveling. You know, you go to unknown places in, 
in you know in Peru or in Turkey or in, in you know in, in Morocco and, and people are nice. People are inherently nice. And because I think we all want the same things. We all want to live a happy life and we all want to you know make sure our families are fine and and so um yeah uh, I, yeah what was the question again George <laughs> that's all right you went into <laughs> you went on a tangent and it was perfectly fine um uh, even i forgot i think what the question was i was just enjoying hearing you um <laughs> but uh i think i would love to maybe have you share your sort of career history right because you've got a very interesting career history um it's quite diverse too, um, in in a, in a way. So maybe just share, yeah, like where you began and then how that led into you know tribe theory and then Draper Startup House. Yeah. Um, so I've been very lost most of my life, to be honest. Um, I I've sort of moved around from places and uh, situations and careers, um, being very lost for a very long time. I think uh, I have only very recently, sort of probably in the last five years or so, uh, sort of found the confidence in myself to to pursue things that I want to do. Uh, but prior to that, um, you know, I, I started my career in finance and banking, um, which, which was actually, uh, you know, a very sort of natural, um, uh, a natural thing for me to do, uh, based on my worldview. Um, so when I, when, you know, when I was growing up, my, my, my dad exposed me to uh, a lot of global things. Uh, he would, you know, the, the books he made me, uh, or the books he, you know, he exposed me to things like, you know, the yellow national geographics. I don't know if you guys remember those. Uh, they, they don't make them anymore, I suppose, but, um, you know, they used to, and 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 those books um, really uh, got me curious about about the world. And and um, when I was in college, I sort of looked at what discipline was the most interesting for me, and I naturally gravitated towards business finance and economics because I felt that that topic uh, covers pretty much all the different disciplines in the world. Uh, what I mean by that is, like, if you really want to understand economics, you have to understand people. Uh, so you, there's a lot of uh, inherent understanding of human beings and human behavior that goes into understanding, you know, money. And so I just felt that if I could understand what is money and 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 you know how do you make money, then you kind of have to really understand things like politics, you have to understand things like, you know, psychology, you have to understand basically all the disciplines that that we encounter on a, on a day to day basis, maybe not as deeply as if you like focused on one one specific topic. So I naturally gravitated to that because I wanted to sort of really understand the world at large. And I, I and I just felt that economics was the way to do that. So if I really just went into studying biology, uh, it would be a very sort of a, a discipline that would not give me exposure to uh, lots of other things. So I naturally gravitated towards economics. And um, uh, when I was in college, you know, I, I did internships as a, a stock bro broker intern. I did internships in like private wealth management. I did internships, um, you know, as frontline, um, you know, bank teller. Uh, I did internships in like various different um, research, um, various different uh, components of finance and economics. And when I graduated, I um, worked in at a bank, basically, and um, got exposure to very large projects, uh, large companies uh, you know, across the world. And... Um, so that was, yeah, that was, that's how my, my sort of career uh, began. And um, I, I'm doing something very different now, but I think, um, you know, my career definitely has shaped my worldview in terms of um, understanding how companies work across the world. And so hopefully that translates into some experience in helping build Draper Startup House um, now and in the future. Yeah, beautiful.
Um, it's interesting, yeah, you bring up the point of like, yeah, the feeling lost, because, um, uh, you know, uh, for, for Faya with Adam, you know, we talk about like this lone wolfism. Um, there's a period, right, where you just kind of feel like you're a lone wolf out there. And then it's uh, really about, you know, finding your pack, because in the wild, wolves don't, uh, wolves don't last long on their own, you know, um, yet uh, in certain cultures, like lone wolfism can be glorified. You know, it's like all about the individual. And yet you and I are both actually very much about bringing people together. And, you know, for those watching, I've seen Vikram also um, in person is very good at connecting people, you know, and, you know, tribe theory uh, originally before Draper Startup House, right? It was about the tribe. And I think that's what uh, attracted a lot of people um, in those early days. And I, and, and I, I watched it blossom and grow from very strong word of mouth because you were able to create an environment um, that was tribal. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would love to touch on as well, you know, tribe, uh, Draper Startup House originally started in Singapore and um, it the building itself, right, was uh, based mm -hmm. off of a, a clan association. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were just talking about this recently. Um, can you share a little bit of that sort of origin story? Yeah, yeah, it's a very, very, uh, uh, this is why I love Singapore and I, I love being in, in Asia because there's amazing stories that you uncover all the time. Um, so in 1820, there was um, uh, there was some dynamics happening around the world. So there was a lot of colonialism happening, and uh, so Singapore was colonized by the British, uh, and and that mission was um, spearheaded by Sir Raffles. Um, so in Singapore, like Raffles Hotel, um, you know he's 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 famous in, in in this part of the world. He was heading to colonize Singapore uh, because it was, a, it was a big trading hub. Uh, and that's what's made Singapore very successful is because it's, it's geographically located in a very strategic trading route uh, from Asia to Europe. And so um, Raffles saw that as a, as a, you know, as, as a very strategic place to post a British, um, I guess, expand the British Empire. Um, and at the same time, um, there was dynamics happening in China where a lot of people uh, from different parts of the regions of China were starting to venture out into the world. And um, there was um, uh, the 16-year-old carpenter named Ache. He wanted to sort of spread his wings and, and go out and, and venture out into the world to seek opportunities outside of, of his environment. And he somehow ended, on the, ended up on the boat with Raffles and you know, and he helped Raffles um, plant the British flag, uh, you know, in Singapore, and he became a scout for for Raffles. And he did a lot of, um, I, I guess, he he helped Raffles with various different scouting things. And by the way, this is all legend. I I don't know how much of this is factually true. Founder um, stories, right? Founder yeah, stories. <laughs> it's a combination of. Uh, you know, factual events and some of the, uh, you know, legend stuff. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, Ache, you know, Raffles was very happy with him. And so British gave him a piece of land as a gesture of gratitude. And so this this uh, kid, I mean, he's 16, 17 years old, very enterprising um, and very entrepreneurial. He, you know, started businesses, timber, spices and whatnot. And he became a very wealthy person. Uh, and the legend says that he's like Singapore's first entrepreneur because he was the first person to sort of, you know, really uh, set up companies, etc. And then uh, he wanted to give back. And so he started uh, Singapore's first, they call them clan associations or clans. Um, and these, uh, he wanted to help other people like him, other immigrants, Chinese immigrants from, you know, this, his province of China who were coming to Singapore. So he set up a house and, um, an association and it was a place where people would come to, um, make friends, find job prospects, find connections and networks. I mean, all, you know, all the things that, that new immigrants needed. And, um, so that clan, um, is called Ninyang Weiquan. And they own the shop house where we started our first location, our first uh, tribe theory location, uh, where you know Draper Startup House is today. 
So it, it's like, it, it's, it's, I love this story because it's, it's exactly what we're trying to do uh, globally, you know, build spaces for these sort of physical network effects to happen for business creations and, 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 you know, building your networks. So yeah, um, that's, that's the background and story of the, the Chinese clan. Um, but you know, it's, uh, George, I, I think it's interesting when we talk about individualism versus, um, a collective, uh, which is what you sort of refer to, uh, you know, tribes and, and clans and, but I, I, I feel a little, I don't know what the answer is, but I feel a little conflicted in the sense that I, I do agree that as a collective, you know, you're better off as a collective, right? Because you, you help each other out. And I think the world has thrived as a collective more than as individuals. Um, but there's got, you know, there, there's something to be said about individualism and, and I grew up in the U.S., right? And, and so that the individualism is, is something that is a cornerstone of, um, uh, of the American, uh, ethos, right? Which is you work hard, you make your destiny, you create your opportunities. Uh, and so that, that individualism, I think is a very strong, uh, and relevant topic because I think it's a combination of a collective, uh, but ultimately it is about the individual, you know, it is about you and me and, and Adam, uh, because we, we, you know, we're responsible for ourselves ultimately. Um, and so I think tribes or clans are a way for the individual to prosper. And, and, and the individual prospers more when they're part of a larger collective. Um, but ultimately it is about the individual, right? It's about individualism. Um, I really believe that because, you know, if you look at Eastern philosophy, you look at Hinduism, you, it's, it's really about, you know, elevating yourself. Uh, it, it is about, you know, if you look at even like Buddhism, right? It's about, it's about nirvana of yourself. It is about the individual um, finding his or her, you know, way in life. And so, it, I mean, uh, George, you're, you're the master and, and the, the, you know, uh, uh, you have a better understanding of sort of the, acad the, the academia behind individualism versus tribalism. Um, and I, I think there's, there's a fine balance, but I, I'm definitely much more inclined to believe that ultimately it is about the individual. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're on the same page because you and I, and this is something I've also noticed even with the third culture kids, right? We're kind of like on the edge or in the middle We're we're like, you know, sort of like a bridge between worlds and, uh, this, um, there's a quote that we have uh, for fire and, and even in the pack, right? The strength of the wolf is the pack. The strength of the pack is the wolf. Mm -hmm. And it actually acknowledges both. And I think sometimes in the East versus West, they're looking at one or the other. But that's the paradoxical nature, mm -hmm. you know, of that there's um, the individual. I think it is important for the individual to be strong on their own. Mm -hmm. But as you said, right, it is when they join a collective, they can be stronger together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... I definitely like I I've also been raised in the West, you know, um, but like my Polynesian background is very much more about the collective. But I've seen the damage of that, too, whereby sometimes uh, doing everything for the village or the, the clan or or whatnot, it can give you a sense of purpose and meaning, but can also rob you of your ability to feel uh, yourself mm -hmm. so much so that you're at the whim of everybody else all the time. Yeah. And yeah, so that's sort of my view on it as well yeah i mean i guess i guess a collective is only uh you know it's made up of individuals right uh and in, if you look at a government right, what is a government government is a makeup of individuals coming together to mm -hmm. to run a country mm -hmm. uh, and then this has been um a very interesting for me to watch what's happening in the u.s over the mm -hmm. last you know six months or not with um clearly with with you know how they've handled covid uh, and also with, um, you know, the, the, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and the, the protests and the, and the amplification of, uh, of, um, I guess, um, you know, racism and, and, uh, uh, all the onslaught that comes with that. And, um, it's very interesting to watch because 
I always wonder, like, why, why are these things happening? You know, why, why are people so against wearing masks? And why are, um, you know, wh why is there still such systemic racism in, in, in a country that, that is uh, very diverse, right? And so clearly this is a very complicated topic because it goes back, uh, you know, many, many, it has a lot of legacy issues. But I look at countries like, you know, the Nordics, you know, I look at Sweden and Norway. And what I find interesting is, by the way, the comparison is I don't think it's as relevant because these are very small countries. Um, but when I look at a population of, say, Norway or Sweden or Denmark or, or you know, the Netherlands or Germany, all the individual people, um, the, you know, the, the citizens of these countries are generally well educated. You know, they're well traveled, have a good um, sort of purview or, or not purview, good perspective in life. You know, if you meet a German uh, or a Dutch person or a Norwegian or a Danish person, Generally, you know, you can get a sense of like, okay, you know, generally these people are have have had a they've they've had a decent education experience in life, right? You can't you can't say that about most Americans, right? And so I I, I feel that the individuals in the Nordics um, have been they've they've had a better, I guess, training in life, maybe. Um, and, and you know, you, I, I would say these countries are generally a bit more socialist in nature um, and not, not the bad connotation of socialism, but socialist in the sense that there's a lot more um, equitable environments, right? There's not a lot of um, disparity in, in, in wealth in these countries. Um, and so, in the US, the disparity is massive, right? So I, I think these countries have done well because they're comprised of individuals who probably have had a bit more, you know, a better upbringing in, in, in terms of education and, and, and experience of the world. Yeah, good point. Um, Adam, do you want do you want to chime in on anything? Sorry, man, we've just been. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's great. I'm getting some uh, some great insights, and uh, yeah, I, f I find it really interesting the the perspectives perspectives of, of both of you and um, and the diversity as, as well. And then the difference between individualism and um, you know community, and uh, I really love the the, the aspect of of how strong a community is but but what what i really what i really liked is um the the sense of they're both it's both important i've been sharing this with um with george as well it's that the, the concept of and because what we're finding is um in, in the news and you've got a lot of fear fear mongering from the news but then what you said Vic, uh, vikram before is it's we're actually living in a in a world that's that's a lot better uh, a lot more optimistic a lot um uh, better things are happening in the world than than previously, um, but at the same time, that it's it's really important to to not not kind of get too drawn into oh it has to be this or that. So for me, what I'm getting from um, from from what you guys are saying is, uh, and and what I love to to share as well is, it's it doesn't have to be that way. It can be more of and. So you've got the individual, which is great, uh, and lots of positives of that, but also the power of the community and 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 put together. Uh, with um, you know, we structure with education, um, bearing, uh, taking things into into account, and you know, general kindness, like you, you said, with the people. Um, you go to a, a music festival, and you, you don't get. There's not that many. Very rare to get like a you know a, a you know a, you know a prick or something. But uh, I think it's uh, it's really important to have these sorts of discussions uh, because it, it actually creates a bit more awareness. So that that's kind of my my sort of two cents that I've got got from it, and I, I do have a, a question uh, as well, Vikram, which I um, it, from what you said before, you you mentioned uh, before we start talking about individualism and, and community and and um, groups is uh, and you know America and um, and different uh, uh, Eastern Eastern countries is you travelled quite a lot. But what what gave you the what changed? What gave you the confidence? to start your company uh, and, and um, with, with 
with um, you know your experience before. Uh, so, so what changed? What what gave you confidence to to start? Yeah, God, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I don't think it was one specific thing. I, I think it's it's it was probably a combination of many many years of me wanting to you know, build something for myself or build something of my own or at least you know build something that I a vision that 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 I had. So I think that it's been years and years of um, wanting to do that. Uh, and, and maybe not finding the right time, place, or idea to pursue. Um, but when when I decided to pursue on this path, it was an idea that I was very very excited about. And 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 it was sort of like I finally found the the, the you know the thing that would excite me, um, and and that I would feel passionate about pursuing. Um, so I, I guess it was, there was that, a component of that, uh, clearly. But also, I think it was also a component of, you know, me uh, being in the right situation in life where um, I felt that I had ticked a lot of boxes that if I wanted to go back to, you know, sort of a normal um, career-oriented, climbing the ladder kind of a job, I could. Um, and so I, I felt a bit of confidence in, in the fact that I could do that if I wanted to. Uh, and also, um, you know, a big part of it was, you know, I, I, I married a really awesome woman who kind of took, took care of me and still takes care of me and <laughs> pays for things and, and buys me things and make sure, you know, make sure, uh, she makes, Make sure that I make sure that he makes sure that I don't go hungry, that the bills are paid, you know. And then, um, so I, I think I, I was very, very fortunate to meet a girl and marry someone that that was very supportive of me pursuing the stuff and um, uh, and also sort of supporting me financially and emotionally. And uh, so I think that that played a really big part. So. Yeah, I, 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 it wasn't one thing. It was a, as a confluence of, you know, lots of different things. But ultimately, I think the biggest thing was I found something that I was passionate about. And it was something that I was willing to pursue and give up, you know, opportunity costs and whatnot to pursue. Excellent. No. Yeah. And sorry, Adam, just what a uh, quick thing. Just remember your uh, audio, the, the mutes when you're. Yeah. Yeah, just because it was a clicking, I think. Will do. Yeah. 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 And, and just just to add on to that too, Adam. I mean, the reason why it's it's uh it's an opportunity set that I'm very passionate about and willing to really, you know, give it give it my all to pursue, um, is because I just feel there's a massive shift in in humanity. There's a mass massive shift in the world happening, you know, in in these times and in our generation. Uh, we're, you know, we're talking about third culture kids and we're talking about individualism versus, you know, tribalism. But we, you and I, I mean, I think we're all in the same, same sort of age category. Um, uh, uh, you know, I think so. Uh, at least we look at, you know, so we're, we're in the same age category ish. And I, I think we, we, this is the best time in humanity ever for us to pursue these types of ideas. Uh, and, and, and these types, right? Because if you think about it, we, we know the analog world and we know the digital world. And there's not a lot of people in, in, in humanity. They've, they've had this moment in time where they know what a VCR is and they know what an iPhone is, right? Because if you look at the, you know, the, the, the Gen Z or the Gen Y or the millennial, well, I guess we're millennials too. But, but, you know, like people born after us, uh, they have no idea what the analog world was. You know, they, they have no idea um, of what the world looked like before digital. And we know analog and digital. And so we have a perspective. Our generation has a perspective which no other groups in humanity has ever had in the past or will ever have in the future. 
right? So in a way, I like to think we're special because, because we, you know, we, we just because of timing of when we were born at what time, uh, you know, during what periods of, of the world that we have this unique perspective of analog and digital. And so what a unique perspective it is. So that's one. Secondly, we, we, our generation has lived through the most prosperous time ever in humanity. Like we've not, we, we really haven't had a war. Uh, we haven't had famines. We, you know, our previous generations, you know, World War II and, you know, they, they lived through some horrific stuff. Uh, even this COVID situation is not as bad, I would say, as like living through World War II. And so I think we've lived through such prosperity. We have lived through such comfort, uh, such ability to move around. You know, our, the generation before us never really got to travel as much as we did. They didn't have Air Asia and, and, you know, low cost carriers to like, take you across, you know, a, a very affordable, uh, accessible way. And so I, I, I just, I feel that this shift that we're going through in our generation is a seismic shift in the way the world is going to work, live, play, communicate, um, build. And I, I think we, we're just in such a fantastic place in our lives, uh, you know, in, in a macro sense that this seismic shift is something that I want to build things in and, 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 and the physical infrastructure that we're trying to build with Draper Startup House, which is a network of physical spaces around the world is something we, I would not have been able to do five years ago, 10 years ago. Like this is the right time in humanity to build scalable physical infrastructure. Um, you know, I'll give you an example of like WeWork, right? Um, uh, for whatever, uh, you know, WeWork, good or bad, um, everyone has an opinion about it. But I just, I think it's fascinating that in five years time or, in, you know, in a very short period of time, they were able to scale a brand, a physical brand and build spaces all around the world in such a fast way, right? Uh, and I think that would have never been able to be done even five years before that because of a couple of reasons. The flow of capital, right? the flow of capital, the way capital flows around the world today was never the case before, right? Um, and so in today's world, capital can flow from one place to another so quickly at a push of a button. That's, that's a very unique time in history that capital flows so quickly. Um, it's never happened before in our previous generation. Um, and so, I think the generation we're living in, uh, and you know, given the COVID situations going on, it's it's that it's a you know terrible time right now. But that's it's a one or two year sort of like situation. But generally, I'm talking about our generation. Wow, um, what a great time to build things that will have a very good impact on you know digital nomadism and and. Um, uh, you know, work from anywhere, uh, communicate from anywhere, um, you know, date people from anywhere. I mean, these are very, very unique situations that only our generation is fortunate enough to, to play in. And so, uh, all of these things are like very compelling to me. And so I just felt that these are the things that I want to pursue. And uh, I, so I found a space, a large space to play in, which I was passionate about. Awesome. That, that's, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, I agree. We, we are special and we're in this, uh, <laughs> this environment. Well. That, that's that, pretty much the uh, main takeaway here. We are special. <laughs> and, and also that that's uh, super, super energizing. And uh, yeah, Vikram, that, this uh it's yeah really really great to great to to hear that and and your um your your perspectives there well i've got a quick question as well i know with the uh, draper start well there's two actually there uh, initially two questions so there's you started with um tribe theory and then it um tra transitioned into to draper starter house so mm -hmm. could you share with us the you know the journey of that and why and and how that happened and 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 how it's going at the moment and then secondly is um i know there is a a, a big vision and a, and a target and a goal and it's got a it's got a number to it as well 
quite a significant number. So would you be able to share that with us? Yeah. Um, well, I think the way Draper Startup House, so the, our transition from Tribe 3 to Draper Startup House was the um, result of, uh, I guess, chance or, or, or um, luck. Uh, you know, I met, I met um, uh, Katie and Daniel from, uh, from Tim Draper's uh, community or team. And uh, they they really liked what we were doing with Tribe Theory, and and um, I think Tim Draper understood the macro vision of what we're trying to do, um, and I think he understood that what we were trying to do as a thesis or as a philosophy of building a business was trying to capture a massive shift in the way the world is happening, which is what what we talked about, right? And 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 I think he he deep down understood that we're going to have a lot of challenges, right? Uh, because building something like this is not easy because it's very physical in nature and operationally heavy and you know, not as scalable as people think it is, et cetera, et cetera. But the general thesis is something that he understood, which is the next 10 years, uh, and that's the timeline that we have dedicated to, to building this company, right? We have a 10-year plan. These 10 years are going to be some of the best times in humanity to build something like this, which is brand building, right? And brand building is, is very important. And, and, and we can quickly build a global brand uh, in the next 10 years uh, that, that, that has not been possible in the past, uh, as well as capturing this new group of people that we call digital nomads um and i actually i want a better term than digital nomads i i don't like the term digital nomad i, I think we need a better uh term i call them seekers you know seekers who are kind of like roaming around the world traveling working being lost trying to figure the next thing in their lives there's a lot of seekers around the world uh, how do you capture them into a funnel through physical spaces and then unleash the potential within them, uh, and 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 this is all ties back together to the to the idea that this is the best time ever in humanity to build a company or build value, or create value, and so inside of all of these seekers, let's just call them seekers. I think it's a better word than digital nomads, right? Seekers who are floating around the world. Within all of these seekers is tremendous potential for creating value because a lot of these seekers, such as Ache, you know, the 16 year old carpenter who came from China, he was a seeker, right? He wanted to venture out and he ended up on a ship uh, with, you know, the guy that colonized Singapore. So that seeker, he had an inherent ability to be adventurous, go out of his comfort zone. Uh, and, and he had the potential to create things. And so there are hundreds of millions of seekers around the world who are, who, who are roaming around the world. How do we create an environment or infrastructure that can unleash the potential within them? So that as a thesis, right? That as a thesis is a very strong thesis. Now, how do you manage that? Or how do you actually you know, execute on that? Is, is a, that's a different topic. Um, but that as a thesis, I think is a very compelling thesis. And so I think Tim inherently understood that there's potential there and he took a chance on us and he, you know, he was kind enough to invite us to join his, his brand and his ecosystem, uh, to say, let's do this together. So, uh, that's how it sort of happened. Um, we're, but you know, we're still in the very early stage, Adam. I mean, like this thesis is, it's a, it's a very profound and big thesis and, um, we're in the first inning of, 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 you know, this, of this sport. And, um, in fact, I, I actually like to think we're not even the first inning. I kind of feel like we're in the locker room warming up, um, you know, warming up and yeah, like, yeah warming up and, and really trying to gear, get ready. So when the game really starts, we're prepared to go out there and hopefully hit some home runs. Um, you know, when we, when we first started Tribe Theory, George, you, you were a guest. It's a small dinky place. 
you know, um, uh, who knew that we would get to where we are today? And who knows where we're going to be in two years from now, right? There could be another amazing thing that happens that we just ha don't even see coming. And I believe that that moment will happen uh, because this thesis is too important of a thesis for for uh, people to ignore. And um, I'm just I'm just glad that we 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 have a chance to to play in this arena. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. No, I'm sure. Adam has something to say here. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome, Vikram. And uh, yeah, I, I can feel, I can sense the passion there. And uh, it's just the start. We're in the locker room. You got the, the There's millions of seekers out there. And you just share with me the um, the. Uh, there's a goal. It's a it's a million, a million yeah. building a million businesses, entrepreneurs um, within the ten years. Is that right? That's right. So our mission uh, is to contribute to humanity by creating a prosperous society. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to we want to play a significant role in the creation of 1 million entrepreneurs or 1 million businesses because my firm belief is that the best way to help society is to create wealth in society. And if you can create wealth in society, then a lot of problems get solved. You know, problems of racism, inequality, poverty, all of these things get solved if you if you can create wealth in society. And so I hope that I want to spend my life contributing to society by creating wealth for the world. And if I can play a role in creating a million businesses in the world, then I, I think that's a, that, that will be a contribution that I would be happy with. And so our mission as Draper Startup House is to you know, play a significant role in creating a million businesses around the world. And how we're going to do that is through building a physical infrastructure that captures these seekers and then, you know, creates an environment and an infrastructure to unleash, you know, the potential within these seekers to then create businesses and give back to society by creating jobs and, you know, employment um, and, you know, enabling other people to then fulfill their dreams as well. So that's, that's a mission. Yeah. One million, uh, one million businesses, one million entrepreneurs around the world in the next 10 years is, is the goal. That is an awesome goal. And, uh, as I said, it's just the start of it. So definitely, definitely exciting for, uh, for everyone involved as well. So George, do you have any, any, um, any other questions connected to that or anything you'd like else you'd like? Yeah. To um, I think Vikram, uh, my question for you as well is, you know, what has sort of been your uh, biggest takeaway, you know, since starting um, this line of your work, what has been your biggest lesson or, or takeaway? Yeah. Uh, the, my biggest learnings so far is, since starting this company is no one really knows what they're doing. You know, like and 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 humility, um, uh, the power of humility, because we had grand plans and we still have grand plans, but that, you know, the the ups and downs you have to go through the the, you know, the, the humble pie you have to eat to go raise capital, um, the unknown situations of things like COVID hitting you and completely dismantling all the plans and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess ambitions you had, right? These are such unknown factors that just come out of nowhere that I think um, no one really has a magic ball. Uh, no one really knows exactly how things are going to play out. Uh, and so, Sticking to your mission, I think, is more critical than ever uh, because it's kind of like if you want to climb Mount Everest, you know, the, the, the goal is to get to the top of Everest. But how you're going to do that and when you're going to do that 
is that can change, right? Like depending on a storm that comes, depending on accidents that happen, but you still have to really be mission oriented. And, and, I, and I think that's more critical than ever during these times that if you don't have a strong mission uh, of what you really want to achieve, then I think it's going to be very easy for people to give up. Um, because everything is very difficult during these times. I mean, everything is a struggle. <laughs> you know, everything is amplified. The struggle is real and the struggle is amplified. And so unless you really, really, truly deep down believe in the mission or have a mission, then it's very easy to give up. And so the, lear the, the, the biggest learning is the humility that you, you need to have, but also really understanding that you need to have passion and really believe in the objective that you want to achieve because the way you're going to achieve that is going to change. And no one, you know, like who knew COVID was coming? Like no one knew, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, no, one, no one saw it coming. And, and, and so that changes things for a lot of people. Um, but for, for me, I'm still very passionate about the mission and we're going to have to figure out maybe a different way or, or, you know, a different uh, approach or some pivots or whatnot, but, but the mission still stands. Yeah. Hope, hope and optimism is definitely a very important thing during this time. Um, and, you know, Vikram, I know you're, you're very, you're probably best suited um, to that, you know, for people during this time. And although I know also, you know, you have your ups and downs like we all do um, on the path as a founders or starting any business. Um, but yeah, I just want to give my hats off to you as well um, to be able to stick with it, you know, during this time too. And I, I know that we've still got a lot more to go. Um, yeah. But also George, I mean, I, you know, we talk about optimism a lot, right? Like mm -hmm. you and me, we, in our teams, we, we talk about that we have to be optimistic. Um, and last night was actually a, a, a very um, uh, important moment in my life. Hmm. So I had, I had a bit of a shift in terms of optimism, Ooh. which was, um, you know, so, so yesterday we're at Draper Startup House and, and um, uh, Adam, you know, Singapore, as you know, is, is a very efficient country and then it's a very um, strict, you know, the rules need to be abided by. And, uh, you know, we had some authorities come into our space um, because there's like social distancing. And and right now, because we're, we are a hospitality space, you know, it's they're being a lot stricter in those kind of spaces that people are living together and all that stuff. So we've been following all the rules and whatnot. But, you know, we, we lapsed on something unknowingly. Like we didn't send in a report. Uh, we were supposed to send these reports every night. And apparently we missed a few nights of sending in a report of some temperatures or whatnot. Easy mistake. Um, but yeah, so the authorities were there and I just had this low moment, you know, extremely low moment where I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they can come shut us down. Who knows? You know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, they can, right? Um, because right now the, the government's like, they're taking extreme measures to make sure that this thing is controlled, right? In Singapore. So I had, I had this moment of like, wow, I just kind of feel like you uphill battle every single day, right? But then uh, Anna took me to a dinner last night and it was eating in the dark. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, you're in this dark room and all the people working there are blind. Mm -hmm. The server is blind. The, the, it, it's, a, it's a company run by, by um, blind people. And, 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 um, I had this moment of optimism because I realized how lucky I am because the people who are serving me, they're, they're blind and they're trying to make a living during these times. Imagine how difficult it is for a blind person to make a living during these times. And I was talking to the server at the end and he was telling me that he was, he could see his entire life un, until three years ago. One day he woke up and he just was blind. 
Wow. And and the doctors, you know, these things happen. These are rare cases, but you know, they do happen where you 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 lose your eyesight for for you know various different reasons. He just lost his eyesight one day. Imagine waking up tomorrow and just not not being able to see. But the optimism this guy had, you know, where he was the funniest guy. He was serving us food. He was saying things like, um, he's like, yeah, don't, because, you know, he's like, you don't know what you're eating, right? I was like, no idea. He's like, yeah, don't worry. These are leftovers from last night. Ha ha ha. He just like was cracking jokes all night, you know? And he was the funniest guy. He, and he just was such a gentleman. And, and at the end he was saying, yeah, I, I'm blind. Um, I woke up one day and I'm blind and uh, it's a, it's a struggle, but I can I, I can choose to be optimistic about my life or I can choose to be depressed about my life. And he chose to be optimistic. And, you know, it's just it did something to me emotionally where I felt that optimism is a choice. It's a choice. And you could be in the in the worst possible situation but it's a choice. Um, and yeah, I, I felt better about being upset about a URA, uh, you know, enforcer coming to check in on our space, you know, and then the optimism, it's, it's a choice. So that was a very strong moment for me last night. And I, I hope that I can keep that sustained in my, in my brain. And, and, you know, uh, whenever I'm down, I hope to sort of think about that. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Vikram. Um, and yeah, such a good reminder. Um, yeah, during these times as well. I- I've been to this place. Uh, is this the one uh, near Arab Street? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Knox. 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 Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Um, and then they had to. Um, you had to guess what you ate right after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, we we are just above the hour, so maybe Adam, do you want to just um, close us off, or if you have a final question? No, no, that's that's it. It's been, it's been. I'll, I'll um, close off the uh, the fireside chat, and it's been absolutely fantastic. I really, really do appreciate your your insights, um, Vikram, and also your questions and insights as well, George. So it's been absolutely great, and I really do, um, really do appreciate the, the time as well. And just one last, um, last one. Is there any anything else you'd like to share or or promote to the um, to the audience, Vikram, before we sign off? Mm. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, n- nothing specific comes to mind, Adam. But I any motto? You have a, do you have a specific um, phrase or motto or quote that you that you would like to share in addition? Yeah. Well, like you know, the the the, the thing that I've been thinking about recently is um, I I really I really believe that this COVID situation that we're in. It, we're going to look back at this time, you know, 10 years from now or whatnot. And, and the realization is going to happen then in the future that this is the most, this it's a difficult time, but it is also this time has the most opportunities that we will ever see in our life. Um, the opportunities to create new things, the opportunities to better ourselves, our thinking, um, you know, elevate ourselves. Um, it, these moments will not come again um, in, in our life. Uh, and so the choice is ours that we, we take advantage of this, this once in a lifetime kind of event to either better our lives through bettering ourselves or bettering our businesses or our communities or our families, whatever it is that I, I I want to constantly remind myself that this is once in a life opportunity to better ourselves and and you know better people around us and and just better our environment around us and that we must take the opportunity to, and seize the opportunity. Um, it, we we won't see this these moments again in our life. So I that's. That's what I, I, I would like to do, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a seize opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. And that's a, absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much, Vikram. Thank you so much, George. And uh, um, we'll, we'll add the link as well up for, um, for, for the seekers and, and anyone 
wanting to to look into and join the Draper Entrepreneur Network or a Draper Startup House and look into that. So thank you, thank you very much, guys, and thanks for for being a guest, Vikram, on, on for the Fireside Chat, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Vikram. Thank you for listening to the Fireside Podcast with your host, Adam Bokertz. And the Fireside Podcast is sponsored by Fire. And please feel free to check out their socials on Twitter at FireCorp and Instagram at FireCorp. And we're looking forward to welcoming you for our next episode.